Welcome to Golden oh. Girls Podcast, Sophia's Choice. So I messed up, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you're not doing the, the opening this time? Well, I, I got the thing in that you do the opening when I start it, so maybe Ski should do the opening when you start it. Okay. Um, I think we should keep all this, honestly. Uh, probably right. so. That's uh, fine. Welcome to Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls <laughs> podcast. Uh, this is a season four, episode 13, The Impotence of Being Earnest. With me today, I oh, I am Ski, or Jeff, however you want to call me, I don't care. Uh, with me is Mr. Allen. Hello. If uh, I just want to say, guys, if I'm going to get through a, a boring Saturday night with you two, I'll need a buzz. <laughs> <laughs> and the indomitable Brent. Blinking. <laughs> and today, as I said, we're going through uh, episode four, ep- or season four, episode 13, The Impotence of Being Earnest. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one will be uh, led uh, by Mr. Brent <laughs> doing the uh, synopsis. And uh, me and Alan will be chiming in with uh, commentary, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then we'll uh, round it out with our uh, scores of uh, how well we thought this episode rated mm-hmm. and who we thought our favorite uh, line or what the favorite lines and uh, characters were. Very nice. That sounds good. I don't think it was that nice, but uh, yeah, no, I got through no, it. No, you did a solid job <laughs> for your first ever intro. <laughs> I think you did solid. Better I totally messed it up did. at first, though. So <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Um, that that actually that adds a little charm to it. Charm. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than I've ever done, and I'm also super impressed because you just generated like you know two thousand words while staring <laughs> intently at a script that has like nine words written on it. <laughs> <laughs> it was written for by Alan. Just a he called me up this morning and asked me if I wanted to. Uh, to do it and just kind of was a surprise to you. Uh-huh. And I was like, and at the time I had a real bad head because I, I was, I was waffling on doing it. I was like, uh, can I just maybe let you know an hour ahead? Yeah. And he's like, it's really not that deep. I'm, I'm like, like, it's yeah. like two sentences. I can write down the name yeah. of the episode. <laughs> but I don't know. I guess he tried to warn me. Yeah. <laughs> so that it might not work out. So. I only have myself to blame. My yeah. brain only works in certain ways, Alan. <laughs> He's like, no, God damn it. I'm a recapper, a recapper and a commentator. I'm not an opener. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not a host. Exactly. Seven minute abs. <laughs> right. Exactly. Or is it eight? It's is it eight minutes? Well, seven minute abs. Oh, he was winning. Goes, six minutes, yes. That's not long enough. Right. It's, it's like somebody from the plumber's union trying to join the pipe fitter's <laughs> union. <laughs> it's a totally different guild. <laughs> right. But, uh,. Do you guys have, did you want to add anything on uh Well I did have some uh some recent uh, interactions from some of our amazing listeners that we mm-hmm. have that I thought I'd share with everybody here. Um we had a, a recent comment from CJ. He was saying that commenting i think that we may have mentioned this or touched on this but mm-hmm. that uh, tarantino is known for having a foot fetish in his movies mm-hmm. um including uh jackie brown has a lot of shots of women's feet so mm-hmm. i know that was the last one of the quentin tarantino's that you mm-hmm. were re-watching yeah um still my favorite of the bunch and, and plenty of foot shots to to corroborate that see i didn't notice any more in that than the others mm-hmm. like if you would have asked me which one had the most? I'd have probably said Death Proof. Oh, okay. But I'm sure if you did a count, then Jackie Brown may have come out on top. I don't well, know. in Death Proof, didn't someone lose an, a leg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Wonder where it went. Or something like, I don't know. Yeah. It's probably in a glass case on yeah. Tarantino's desk. Now, did Tarantino do the one in... Um, I wonder if he had anything to do with Rose McGowan losing her leg in the other side of that one. What was the other one that came uh, with Death, Death Proof? Well, Death or, Proof... Um, uh, uh, Planet Terror. Yeah, Planet yeah. Terror. Because doesn't she end up with a gun leg in that? Yeah, she does. <laughs> but that's sure. not in the Tarantino directed part of it, right? No, no, it's the Rodriguez part. Okay. So, and I think like her leg got bit by the zombie or whatever, so they cut it off. Oh, okay. Well, it seems like a, a good. 
the best available option is to replace a leg with a gun, I'd mm-hmm. say, under those circumstances. <laughs> exactly. So. Like a stupid pirate who just replaces <laughs> it with a peg. Right. <laughs> or, or you know, the option of a chainsaw is always good. Mm. Yeah. Was that on Evil Dead? Yeah, yeah. He had a chainsaw <laughs> arm, arm, chainsaw hand, something like that. <laughs> right. Which, again, you know, it's much better than pirates who just use a dang hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we had a uh, we had that from CJ. Then we also had gotten a message do, from. Do you know where a pirate uh, buys his hook? <laughs> no, where does the pirate buy his buy his hooks? Secondhand store. <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I love that joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> that is a solid joke. Solid, yeah. solid kid joke. Um, yeah. But, yeah, um, my kid got me a calendar of like dad jokes or whatever. Oh, okay, and that, and that was on. It was, and that was a page that I definitely kept instead of throwing in the trash. <laughs> I might have to to pull that one out, you know, tomorrow with the kids. Yeah, you should. Hey, it's a Halloween, solid dad joke. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, now, in in the real world, uh, Halloween has already yeah. passed, but yeah. uh, for us, it's coming up. Mm-hmm. That's true. I don't like the fact that they're living in the real world because <laughs> it implies that we're not. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> it's like it's like we're in the Matrix. See, listen, Brent, we're in the entertainment industry now, so this is fantasy land. <laughs> uh, bro, so your basement is Holly Weird, right? Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, um, we also had gotten a recent message from uh, Stacy Watts, you know, okay, one of yes. our most loyal listeners. Yeah, thank you, Stacy. Um, she said oh, that she, we uh, yes, definitely to both and uh, to all. She said that she has saved uh, the most recent episodes to listen to while she was recovering from surgery, oh. but unfortunately she couldn't because it hurt too much to laugh. Uh, uh, and oh, then, no. And then now that she was two weeks out from surgery, she was back to listening and laughing. Nice. Um, and better. I said, uh, I'm glad you're on the mend from surgery, and I'm mm-hmm. sorry for any pain that we may have caused. Yeah. And uh, it was probably something that Brent said that caused the laughter. And I'll tell you that that son of a bitch only cares about the laughs and never thinks about the harm it may be causing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did thank her for continuing to listen. Yeah. And she said that she was willing to forgive you, uh-huh. uh, but she didn't want free membership to any exclusive Patreon account for any pain and suffering that she may absolutely. have suffered. Absolutely. <laughs> now, I said... I would absolutely love to grant that request, mm-hmm. but you may have noticed that Brent has organized a powerful union, <laughs> and that, uh, if I go against the contract and start handing out freebies, then he can file a grievance, the whole mm-hmm. thing will go to arbitration, uh-huh. and if we can't settle the dispute, then I'd have to bring in scabs, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and nobody wants that, so yeah. so she, she was willing to, she was disappointed, but she understood yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. you, know, you have your principles. Exactly. So. I like that you call it a powerful union. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, I, I, I'm sorry that Stacy, you know, went through all that and suffered and everything like that, and I'm glad she's on the mend. Um, I think, Stacy, I think take comfort in the fact that because you suffered, nobody else is going to, you know, because you're a cautionary tale. So going forward, you know, anybody else who goes through surgery, mm. and if it hurts you to laugh— but you still want to listen, go back to season one, episode 20. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the uh, the one where Rose has her birthday party oh, yeah. alone. No, the one that, if you want one that won't have many laughs, then you need to go with the uh, the homeless one. Yeah. <laughs> that, that one didn't have a lot to cheer feel cheerful about yeah can i can i use that as my pivot to my interaction with uh with the public yeah certainly go for it yeah. um oh this is also the reason we're ending the podcast but go ahead <laughs> so um uh faithful listener um mermaiden 34 uh brought to our attention via the insta um that there was a tv movie of priscilla's elvis and me and it was directed by larry pierce 
who directed Goodbye Columbus, and I mentioned uh, Mermaid in 34 that, you know, Goodbye Columbus, I thought of as like, you know, the poor man's the graduate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mentioned, you know, it starred America's sweetheart, uh, Frida Claxon, and then it also featured Anne Haney as Elvis's grandmother, Minnie May. And then we discussed Anne's genius back when she played Bonnie in season one, episode 18's The Operation. Mm-hmm. So, and then unrelated to the Goldens, uh, 10-year-old Eldon Hansen played Priscilla's brother, Don. And although he's only in his 40s, Eldon is one of my favorite, you know, actors. So he started off doing stuff like Turner and Hooch and Mighty Ducks. And okay. He got a little bit older and did She's All That. And then he got a little bit older and did Cast Away. And then he got a little bit older and did a couple of the Hunger Games movies. Mm. And then most recently, he's been, um, he was playing uh, Foggy Nelson oh, okay. in um, Daredevil and okay, Jessica that's... Jones and Luke Cage and Defenders. So. What, what actor is this again? What? Who is this? Eldon Hansen. I'm glad oh. that his uh, aging followed the typical <laughs> um, timeline, you know, because mm-hmm. I know you said that like a little bit went by and he got a little bit older. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I appreciate the fact that he didn't Benjamin Button or anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, special hunk of hunk of thank you to Mermaid 34 for cluing me in on the Elvis and me TV movie because mm-hmm. it was all new to me. Yeah. But just keep in mind, though, that uh, while we do oh, appreciate. Oh, go ahead. But then, so. You know, it was a lovely conversation, mm-hmm. and we went back and forth and everything, and it was great. And then I brought up the uh, the homeless shelter episode, and then we were both just too sad to continue. <laughs> and I pretty much killed it at that point. Exactly. <laughs> so I was definitely on brand and bringing up something awkward that nobody wanted to recover from. Mm. So, but I tried, dang it. Just conversation killer, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, okay. Well, you have yeah. a good day, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it well. wasn't even that. <laughs> you know, like, I brought up the homeless episode, and um, she responded, yeah, it's sad, and a little, um, like, the crying face mm. emoji or whatever. And then I, I felt too bad to continue. Yeah. Well, her name is Lisa. Um, Mermaid 34. Mer- yeah, Mermaid 34. name okay. is Lisa. And. I just want everybody that you can direct your any slight amount of animosity you have towards this show ending after this episode. You can direct her her way because she said, and I quote, um, talking to Brent in this mm-hmm. case. This is, I think, the first direct contact that I remember Brent having. He maybe did a little more on Instagram, but Mm-mm. no, this is the first time I've ever spoken to anybody outside of you two. Okay, about in your wife. Upstairs. Okay, yep. <laughs> that sounds funny. Like, like <laughs> shut in. Never <laughs> in my life. I guess technically, I've also discussed the podcast with my wife. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, but in in the in the midst of this conversation yeah. they were having, she said to Brent, "You are actually my fave. You have such fun with a uh, fun witty personality. I loved when you did the season recap, the episode when Dora. It doesn't matter the rest. Yeah. But she specifically says, "You're actually my fave," uh-huh. and you know. I just I can't go with that, so I'm I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> and since I have the computer, I'm I'm far too uh, sensitive <laughs> to, exactly. um, to take someone complimenting either of you. <laughs> I felt bad because I should have said thank you for that, but I didn't even acknowledge it uh-huh. um, because I didn't want to. Because then I've been obligated to mention that you know um, you yourself carry a lot of water with this podcast, as does Ski. Mm. You know, it's definitely a collaborative effort, and I just didn't have the energy for. For all of that <laughs> so i just sort of <laughs> so so i ignored her compliment and i did feel bad about that oh but. no you absolutely shouldn't feel bad about it it is funny because this podcast i enjoy doing it i'm glad we're doing it, I, it the interaction we've had with the people who listen have been great um mm-hmm. you know it's a the number of people listening is growing and and with mm-hmm. that the number of people contacting us Correct. is growing you know proportionately yeah. um yeah. since about i don't know 
five percent of the people that listen uh, mm-hmm. contact us, then it slowly goes up, <laughs> you know, with that as well. Exactly. Um, but uh, it's not necessarily a show that does a lot for my self esteem. I've realized that. Oh yeah. Because you two are two of the. It's not that I consider myself to be super smart or anything like mm-hmm. that, but here I am sitting at a table with two people that I definitely consider to be smarter than myself, mm-hmm. and Brent I consider to be funnier than myself, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know, those just aren't good things for me, and Ski I consider to be a better person than me. <laughs> <laughs> so It's like, so Brent's smarter and funnier, Ski's smarter and kinder, and eh. then it just leaves me as like the garbage in the middle. Whatever. <laughs> so like You guys are two of my most favorite people in the world. So that, That's not you a compliment. Definitely. No, I, I, I <laughs> I think you're being I think you're being too hard on yourself because you definitely bring something to the table. You know, I'm talking specifically about a laptop that works a third of the time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I knew I knew that I would get nothing from Brent, and and even with Yuski, you didn't compliment me. You just said I was one of your favorite people. That may have been because I build up your self esteem no. with my. <laughs> no. no, I'm kidding. Of course, I, no. I think you definitely. For the record, everybody who's out there listening, Alan is incredibly. Smart. He is. He is. He's being self-deprecating. As often is. Yes. I would say that Brent and I both have a very self-deprecating sense of humor (laughs) in general. Mm -hmm. And Ski does not ever acknowledge his... uh, his good deeds and kindness nearly as much as he should. Yeah. So I don't know that he's necessarily as self-deprecating as Brent and I are, mm-hmm. um, but he's also I, I not generally nearly get a, self- a lot of friends who deprecate me for me. Oh yeah, yeah we, we deprecate all over you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he's always covered with our deprecations. <laughs> Sticky soda, you know. Yeah. Anyways, I have one more little uh, interaction to mention um, before we move on to, to Brent's recap. Um, we got a, a new person reached out, a Tammy Becker. Okay. Um, that she said that she was trying to catch up with us. I don't know if she has at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Welcome, Tammy. But that she's really enjoyed listening to us, and thanks for the weekly pick-me-up. Okay. And, you know, I thanked her for listening to us, yeah. let her know that it was me, because this was on Twitter, which I normally am the yeah. one who replies mm-hmm. on Twitter. And uh, she said that she ex- especially enjoyed the Fox sounds. Um, that I don't know if you remember, this was a while back, but mm-hmm. I had done some Fox sounds okay. um, trying to imitate. What was the Fox say? Um, I think it was something <laughs> more like, <laughs> and, and I mentioned that I that I am famous for my spot on Fox impressions. You're um, a resident that, Foley artist. Yeah, I'm kind of a big deal in the Fox impersonating community. <laughs> one more thing you bring to the table. I really right. thought there was some like in this room right now. Yeah, I know exactly. And I saw you make the noise. I know that's that's <laughs> that's how. <laughs> um, but I did appreciate uh, you know my talents being acknowledged. <laughs> so, anyways, all right. So that's that's all we have for today as far mm-hmm. as uh, interactions go. So yeah. go ahead and turn it over to you, Brent. So yeah, you know as we mentioned twenty minutes ago, this is that Golden Girls season four episode thirteen. The thirteen, the impotence of being earnest, uh, is written by Greg Cop, uh, who gave us the Brady Bunch movie, and David Goodman, who most recently has done lots of Seth MacFarlane shows. And it was directed by Steve, don't call me Terry Hughes Zuckerman, uh, who's just a, a journeyman director, lots of sitcoms, nothing for too long. And then our original air date was uh, February 4th, 1989. Anything special happened on February 4th? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so we've got some birthdays. Okay. For February. I hope rugby players are part of this. <laughs> <laughs> so we had... Um, 
inattentive father Charles Lindbergh was born in 1902. <laughs> inattentive father. <laughs> All of a sudden, he was like, "Hey, where's my baby?" Yeah, exactly. Right. If that's too harsh for you, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's a little little soon. Fine, fine. So, anyways, so Nazi sympathizer Charles Lindbergh was born in 1902. Oh, okay. I like that's a good fall, fallback. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, famed sex symbol Conrad Bain was born in 1923. Uh, frequent punchline Dan Quayle was born in 1947. I think Dan Quayle was a punchline in uh, one of the prior episodes. I think the last episode. Yeah, last episode. Yeah, yeah. I forgot to mention that. Or two he, weeks ago. Yeah. Or last no, week. it was last episode because it was when Dorothy had said, Blanche had said the line about, um, you know, being okay mm-hmm. with the person that wasn't perfect or, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. finding someone that was, wasn't perfect instead of waiting for someone who was. And yeah. that that's the same approach George Bush took when finding his running mate. Yeah, yeah exactly. Nice. You're right. So when this episode aired, let's talk about music for a moment and what was happening in the world. So when this episode aired, there were several fantastic albums in the new release, Ben at your local Sam Goody. Um, if you set your Wayback Machine to, you know, February 4th, 1989, okay. I would recommend you pick up a Technique by New Order. Don't Tell a Soul by The Replacements, Dylan and the Dead by Bob Dylan and the Grateful Dead. Oh, wow. That's a pretty straightforward uh, title. Yeah. Now, was that Dylan and the Dead? Was that pre- When did Jerry Garcia die? It was like 96 or something like that, He wasn't died in 95. Okay, so that, so that had the whole the original Grateful Dead then with them? Uh, it had that current lineup. Oh, okay, dead. well, yeah, um, I suppose it's... Uh, Dylan toured, and they were his backing band. Wow. And so this was the live album they released from that tour. Well, that seems like about a perfect combo for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's a solid album. Um, it's one of those things that the song selection isn't great. Like, a lot of people don't like it just because there are bootlegs of shows that they did okay. in which the performances were so much better. And so they're sort of nitpicking. They're like, well, why did you choose these particular performances to release on the official album? Um, Versus versus doing the actual tour itself? Yeah, yeah. Or just all different takes or different songs from other shows, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Because it is a fairly... I don't know, the song selection, I, I could see why people would not like it. But I personally do. I mean, it's Dylan and the Dead. Why are you going to complain? Right. Um, the uh, So I have that on vinyl, and it's not an original, you know, from 89. It's a reissue, um, but it's on, like, blue denim colored vinyl, whatever. It's cool. Anyways, I like it. And we also had Spike from Elvis Costello and Oranges and Lemons from XTC. It's probably my favorite XTC album. Can't say that I know a, a, an XTC song off the top of my head. Um, Oranges and Lemons, I think Mayor of Simpleton which was on like Dumb and Dumber oh, okay. was from that album. Okay. Anyway, so it's a good, all their stuff's good, but especially Oranges and Lemons. It's really good. So anyways, as far as other musicians who are having a moment, um, you could make the argument that Tone Loke was on top. Um, his Loked After Dark album dropped in January of 89. Now that have like Funky Cold Medina on it? Yep. And Wild, Wild Thing. Thing. Mm-hmm. I heard that the other day. Yeah. I was going to share that with you guys. Yeah. Um, so just as a side note, talking about Wild Thing, so it was produced uh, by Mario Caldado. And you know, when we were discussing Mario a few weeks back, we mentioned that, you know, Mario C likes to keep it clean and to shine <laughs> like a sunbeam. So, but anyways, you know, we also had Wild Thing and Funky Cold Medina are both on that album. Right. Okay. And so you're probably thinking, well, you know, it was Tone Loke's world. We're just living in it. Mm-hmm. But you'd be wrong. Okay. Because all both Funky Cold Medina and Wild Thing were on that album. Okay. Both of those songs were co-written by Young MC. Oh, okay. okay? And Young MC was also getting ready to drop, uh, you know, Bust a Move yeah. in a few months. So so in your opinion, it was it was Young MC's world? Exactly. And Tone Loke was living on it? Everybody else was battling <laughs> for second place. Oh, okay. Well, Tone Loke might have gotten that number two spot then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you put Tone Loke in second place. Yeah. <laughs> 
And Mario Caldado in third. Right. I would definitely say if I had to compare all three of those, uh, Busta Move is my favorite out of those yeah. three. Did you ever see him? Um, did you watch Scrubs? Occasionally. I, yeah. I've seen, I've not, I, I never watched one of those like new episodes or anything. Uh-huh. And I've caught several like repeats, you know, yeah. over the years. Okay. Well, if you're holding out, holding your breath for a new episode. No, no, no. So, um, did you see the Young MC episode? I did not. Oh, it's so amazingly good. And it's funny because I'd actually sent that clip um, to a guy at work. It's on YouTube. It's like four minutes of all the Young MC appearances from this one episode. <laughs> but basically, every time somebody will say something, then Young MC will pop up and be like, bust a move. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and so they're like sitting at the hotel bar with Young MC and they're asking them life questions. And it's like, you know, sh- should I ask this woman, you know, to be my wife? And he's like, bust a move. You know, so <laughs> should I pay my taxes on time? He's like, bust a move. You know, like whatever it is. <laughs> whatever. <But then> like, <laughs> towards the end of the episode, um, I forget. It's like something bad happens. <laughs> and Young and he's like, bust a move. And Zach Braff Lucid is like, you have a problem, sir. <laughs> Seek help. Like, I'm not doing it justice, but it's really No, funny. no, that sounds great. Um, I loved Scrubs. That was one of my favorite shows yeah. during the time. Mine I do too. wonder... Uh, if you're looking for new episodes, don't <laughs> I've been I've informed recently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I do wonder how much of John C. McGillney's uh, lines on that would still fly today. Um, mm. I feel like that he probably has a lot of lines that would not go in today's. Yeah. He'd almost be like Archie Bunker. Yeah, by yeah. Today's he, was, he was the like grumpy, like elder. Right, exactly. Elder, but like, he's, he's yeah, the mm. old resident, right? Yep, yeah. exactly. So. I think I'm um, like the janitor. I think he just missed having the record for um, most consecutive seasons starring on a sitcom. Oh, really? Yeah. So, um, like, between that and the middle? Yeah, because he had, like, nine years on the middle and, like, eight years on Scrubs or something. Mm. And then he had that one show, um, Abby's Bar or Abby's Place or something like that, but it didn't make it a full season. Oh, and okay. so, like, he has, like, an asterisk or something oh, like that. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really close. Yeah. So, I love that guy. Yeah, same here. Anyways, uh, one last thing. It's not really, it's still music related, but it's not really related to February 4th, 1989. Okay. Um, so since we last uh, recorded, I guess, since we were last together recording, so this would have been two weeks back for the last time we mentioned it to you folks, um, I finished my second re-listen to uh, Fish's summer tour from 2021. Uh, now, how long you had mentioned, you sent an e- or a text to Ski and I about yeah. it. Uh, how long was that album? I thought he said 64 hours. 64 right? hours, 16 minutes, and 58 seconds oh, wow. to listen to all 22 shows. Um, and so, like, I was listening as they were happening, like, the day after, oh, okay. you know, within, like, 24, 48 hours. And then when the tour ended, I went all the way back. And, and so I was listening as it was going along, and then certain things I was listening to a couple of times. But then I went back and listened consecutively from show one through show 22. Um all the way through all 64 hours and i settled on my top five moments in okay. case anybody cares i do care to hear but i do before you tell us those top five would you say that as you're listening to the 64 hours that you were seeing their growth as musicians as they <laughs> progress through their 64 hours worth of yeah. performances I, did. <laughs> I, I, I it was really really good um like i i knew the first time through it was like wow this is a great tour you know definitely like the best in summer of 2017 and then after the second time i'm like yeah i think i'm calling it it's definitely you know the best in the last five years at least mm-hmm. so okay. i'm a big fan 
So what are your top five favorite so, moments? And you guys, if you want to listen along, um, you can go out to the live fish thing, whatever, and sign yourself up for a free 10-day trial. Oh, okay. Well, 10 days is more than enough time to get through all 64 hours or whatever else you want to listen you to. You only have to listen to 6.4 hours of fish a day, <laughs> and you'll fly right through that. Yeah, I did, I did want to ask, do you usually listen to it while you're doing stuff around the house or yeah, while yeah, working? Yeah, yeah, while I'm working. I, I didn't figure you were just house. like sitting there with the music playing and yeah, intently listening I to it. I don't have the headphones on and a J rolled or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, so what follows is like the top five. And so this would only take you maybe seven hours if you just wanted to listen to these. Oh, okay. So, um, August 3rd, um, the first set, which went punch you in the eye, strawberry letter 23 into sample in a jar, followed by Haley's comet into backwards down the number line, and then an undermine into divided sky. And then they did mull and then it's ice and then about to run. And then they closed with squirming coil. Okay. So I can do this for all five or just give you the dates and the sets. I think the dates and the sets will probably be (laughs) sufficient. (laughs) (laughs) August 8th, set two, um, August 31st, set two, uh, the set two and the encore from September 1st. And then set one from September 3rd. Now, if you are out there and you happen to be a big fish fan, um, by all means, I, I strongly encourage you to contact us either on Twitter or um, mm-hmm. specifically on Twitter or Instagram because Brent's on both of those mm-hmm. um, You know, as part of the accounts. You can send it on Facebook, too, and I'll forward it on to him. But mm-hmm. uh, if, if you want to talk fish, Brent can talk fish all day and night long, and I'm sure he would I love would, to give you the a more detailed breakdown. I would dare say he is a music genius. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a... Like, the amount of stuff that he knows, just and can just rattle off. Do you think to be a music genius, you have to be specifically talented, though, in, in creating music? Or he's just a music in his knowledge, or a genius in his knowledge of music? I, From what I've observed, personally, the second. Okay. But, I don't know. Maybe he's a lyrical genius as well. Lyrical genius, yeah. But again, do you have to write the lyrics to be a lyrical genius <laughs> or just know well, the lyrics? I'm just saying maybe he is, and we don't know it. Brent's an incredible mind. I just don't know where I would classify it at. Uh, <laughs> have you ever <laughs> have you ever written genius any? or insanity side of the spectrum? <laughs> well, I just don't know. Like, I could just say genius, uh-huh. but I don't know that I could say, like, you're a genius. genius. In, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Depends on your mood. <laughs> have you ever written any poetry or, or songs or anything? Not out, only the stuff like they required you to do in school. Mm, Understood. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not sitting around in the evening with my pen and quill. Oh, I didn't know. Like maybe. It would, yeah. No. You you've got you know you're over forty now, right? Yes, I'm forty. So you've had a lot of I mean, years. So you this could've... episode's November eighth. Um, so I'm eleven days shy of my forty fifth birthday. Mm. Mm. Happy birthday in advance. Well, thank you. Well, you should tell them next week because it'll be closer. Probably, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, uh, but like. You, there could have been a period of your life, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. There, you were totally into music. I mean, you clearly love music mm-hmm. now. Yeah. You could have been like, oh, start writing some of your own or something. Yeah. No, I just don't have that creative bone in my body. You know? Yeah. Well, what would I classify? I would say an underachieving genius. That might be uh, <laughs> a low functioning. Genius. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm on the spectrum <laughs> of geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I've heard that there are different things, you know, that people with, you know, autism and things of that nature uh-huh. can really, uh, you know, excel far beyond, uh-huh. you know, your your average person. Yeah. Um, and may, maybe mm-hmm. maybe you're more on the spectrum than I yeah. ever gave you credit for. A, so, a savant <laughs> of music knowledge. Yeah. We'll savant, say that. Yeah, yeah, savant of music knowledge. We, That's a perfect term. We might have discussed this or whatever, but there was a great um, article on The Onion once about um, the world's greatest cellist dying mm. um but basically the whole article was like basically um 
uh, how they were just the greatest cellists who had ever lived or whatever. Um, it's just sad because nobody ever gave them a cello, so nobody ever knew they were the greatest cellists. It <laughs> 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 was just talking about their untapped potential and <laughs> the concertos and songs they would have written and everything if, if somebody just would have given them a cello. <laughs> right. <laughs> if only. If only. <laughs> That's the one thing that does make me feel better when I sit at this table. You know, I know I've, I've kind of joked about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how my high opinion of both of you kind of <laughs> lowers my opinion of myself. Mm-hmm. But I also look at the untapped potential of both of you is greater than the untapped potential of myself. So <laughs> I feel like I have underachieved less than either of you uh, two. Exactly. <laughs> you get closer to achieving your full potential. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas you two have so many miles to go to get the. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Again, um, was it this episode or last episode where we talked about Norm's autobiography? The last episode. Okay, so um, there was another bit in there um, where he's claiming to have done the uh, helped out a kid who was doing the Make a Wish okay. type thing or whatever, mm-hmm. and he mentions that um, you know, and the boy was eight years old, um, which means he's really young, um, but he was a year away from death, which means he was really old. <laughs> <laughs> imagine <laughs> i mean i'm sure like you said i know you said in that prior so like 90 percent of the autobiography is bullshit yeah. anyway just jokes yeah um i can't imagine an eight-year-old loving norm mcdonald <laughs> <laughs> like other than like oh, i love turd ferguson that's my favorite the, bit the reason, the, kid, the reason the kid wanted norm to be his make-a-wish thing or whatever mm-hmm. was simply because norm was canadian oh okay and the make-a-wish kid's wish was to club a baby seal to death <laughs> and so part of the book's norm taking the sick boy <laughs> up to Nova Scotia <laughs> so he could be the seal to death. <laughs> That's a beautiful story. Yeah. <laughs> really heartwarming. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, anywho, it's good stuff. Yeah. It's hopefully. All right. Um, so, we're going to start our episode yet, or are we? How yeah. Close are we? Yeah. No, he's got uh, years to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyways, did you finish with your special uh, correlations with February 4th? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but before we get into the episode proper, sure. we got a, another edition of Max's Condition Kibitz. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> get this out of the way. Yeah, one of uh, the nation's hottest new podcast bits. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so before we get into the episode, um, I just want to take a moment to discuss the uh, origin of the episode title. Oh, okay. Uh, so the impotence of being earnest is an homage to the importance of being earnest. Uh, which was a 1952 film directed by Anthony Asquith and starring Michael Redgrave and Michael Dennison. Um, if you've not seen it, I highly recommend it. Um, it's currently available via Criterion, or you can rent to purchase it via the Amazon Prime Video. Okay. And that's where I picked it up. You can buy it on Amazon? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, so at a high level, uh, you know, the film takes place in 1895, and it involves two frenemies named Jack and Algernon. Okay. And then long story short, um, they meet two women who state that they can only fall in love with men named Ernest. Okay. And so Jack and Algernon both pretend to be an imaginary man named Ernest that Jack had previously invented in order to get out of social events to which he did not want to attend. Mm. And then the film ends with Jack and Algernon finding out that they're actually brothers and that they're both actually named Ernest. <laughs> and this solves the women's dilemma because, as we all know, all women really want us to be married to a man named Ernest. <laughs> unless, of course, you're that woman who, or unless you're the woman who were married, what, eight Henrys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who was that? Well, I, you know, I'm Henry VIII. Oh, I'm Henry VIII. I am. 
Henry the Eighth, I am, I am. I got married to the widow next door. She's been married seven times before, and every one was a Henry. Never was a Willie or a Sam. I'm the Eighth, I am. I'm Henry. Henry the Eighth, I am. See, you don't Alan, know this fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> like you know every goddamn Alan's, song in the world. <laughs> Alan's rattling off literally the entire like <laughs> entire lyrics. Okay, so. I heard a word different whenever I heard the song. Okay. So, so you repeat the song to me again the way you heard it. I'm Henry the Eighth. I am Henry the Eighth. I am. I am. I got married to the widow next door. She's been married seven times before. Everyone was a Henry. Okay. See, I thought he was saying if everyone was a Henry. Like he's not saying that everyone that she had married. Mm-hmm. He was just saying if everyone was like me. Oh, okay. I, that's the way I always thought the song was going. Well, no, he says, I'm Henry the Eighth. I yeah. am, so. He's saying he's the Eighth. So he's Henry saying in this imaginary world. <laughs> See, I thought this was actually the actual, like, Henry the Eighth who was married to Anne Boleyn or whatever. Oh, okay. No. So it's not a bio. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it's historical okay. <laughs> in nature. Um, I but. It's, it's by Herman's Hermans. I, like, I know the song oh, and everything, okay. but I thought it was like, if everyone was an Henry. <laughs> I didn't think it was if. I just think that everyone was a Henry. Oh, so um, all of her previous suitors were Henry. Right. Oh, okay. Hmm. So, anyways, just the look on your face as I was saying it, it's, like, there was no recognition at first. <laughs> like, it's like, a really popular song. Like, yeah. uh, my musical knowledge is far less, and this isn't some new new pop person. It's not like I'm trying to sing Doja Cat to you, and you're not knowing what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is a Dua Lipa house. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, as far as the musics of today go, mm-hmm. um, that Olivia Rodrigo mm-hmm. album is really good. Like, if I was a young girl, mm-hmm. like I would see that being my, my jam. I've only heard the songs that are popular. I don't know if you've actually listened to the album. Yeah, I did. Um, I listened to it because I listened to the one song that somebody said was like an Elvis Costello song, mm. uh, Brutal. And um, I listened to that one. I was like, oh, this is not bad. And so then I listened to the yeah, – because the whole album is only like 38 minutes long or something oh, okay. like that. So, you know, it was either basically, spend more time with Fish or <laughs> listen to that. Yeah, so, it's basically one Fish song. I figured that was Alan who was going to make that joke. but <laughs> It's not a joke. It's just the truth. <laughs> I will say that the Soul Party that they did that I had listed on August 31st mm-hmm. – um, Soul Planet that they did on August 31st, um, I think hit the, like the 48 minute mark. Oh, okay. Whatever. So I thought you were going to say, I think it did feature Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So, are, so is the entire 38 minutes all about the shitty breakup situation that she apparently had? Because at yeah, least the popular all, ones are about that. Yeah, yeah. It's an angry. Like, okay. yeah. I mean, she's just mad at the world. Yeah, they're good music. It's good yeah. music, though. But I've heard I don't of it. Blame her. You know, I've heard of her, but I don't really know what song she sings. I didn't check it out. Uh, the album's called Sour, okay. and it's really good. It's Olivia Rodrigo. You said correct. Yes. And I think she was on a Disney show or something. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Know. I don't know her origins, but I've not seen. And I have even music. heard of Doja Cat and uh, Dua Lipa. So yeah. you said you have or have not. I have. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Dua Lipa's on. Like I saw her. On like a commercial like 20 times yesterday. Mm. <laughs> it was like for uh, some drink. And now you're a fan? Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, of her body, yes. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> She's hot. You've what got to say? 20 years on her, sir. I don't yeah. care. I'm not that. I'm a creep, but I'm not that bad. <laughs> it's not like I mean, I'm going after her. <laughs> at least he's an adult. So. I guess. At least I did say that not knowing for sure, so. <laughs> He's not trying to make the age of consent argument. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's yeah. not. 
So speaking of that, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so I've recently started watching the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Okay. And I'm only um, today. I started. She's hot too, right? She's deceased. Um, She was hot (laughs) at the age she was when she was doing the show for sure. She was attractive on the Dick Van Dyke show Mm -hmm. um, when she was doing the Mary Tyler Moore show. Um, She was a little older. I know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and she was you know attractive lady or whatever, but just not as attractive. Whatever. But I can see I can see why people liked her and everything. Mm -hmm. So I started season three today. So I've got to finish that, and then there's seven seasons total. So. The only Golden-related casting I've noticed so far is John Shuck. Okay. Um, so he played a former professional football player on the Mary Tyler Moore show, um, and we knew him as Councilman Gil Kessler oh, okay. on Golden Girls. And then my biggest takeaway so far is that Gavin McLeod, okay, is the oddest actor I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Like, he has never once delivered a line that's anything remotely close to the way a normal human being talks. <laughs> um, it is so bizarre, and, and I don't, I don't, I can't wrap my head around it. <laughs> like it's just, and it makes me want to watch like an episode of the love boat to find out like, is this like Gavin McLeod, how he is, or is this just like a choice he made for the character for of character, Murray yeah. Slaughter? <laughs> yeah. But it's so, but it's like, he's like, well, gee, Mary, I'm going to go to lunch now while Ted's not here. <laughs> like it, He says everything. So it's just bizarre. <laughs> and I can't not pay attention when he's speaking. Maybe so. that's, maybe that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Dirt all these years later. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but as far as like individual episodes go, um, season two, episode four um, is so far my favorite. Okay. Um, so at this point, um, it's like Mary, the pilot episode starts with Mary walking in off the street okay. and became, being made like associate producer of um, the ninth rated newscast in Minneapolis. Okay. So, you ninth know, rated, you say? Yeah. So it's like a struggling <laughs> thing or whatever. There's a lot of things that are ninth rate that are still quality. Exactly. Yo, yeah. I mean, literally, like it's ninth in the ratings, just like us. Um, so anyways, like she has no experience or qualifications, but they make her associate producer of the show. Mm-hmm. And so... So this season two, episode four, it's a year into her career. Okay. Okay. And she's frustrated like that, that she's not been promoted or whatever. I mean, it's still a ninth <laughs> rated <laughs> yeah. newscast or whatever. But anyways, um, so she decides to go ahead and take a, a journalism class to learn what she's supposed to be doing. Okay. And so she's taking this journalism class at the local college and she starts dating her professor. Um, and so, like, I don't want to spoil the whole huh. thing, but, you know, Mary and her professor's relationship, you know, it, it's a good one. It's a healthy one, you know, but it doesn't How last. Um, but, you know, at the end, you know, they just decide that, you know, we're not really romantically compatible. But, you know, they both grew and matured during the relationship. Sure. And so they enjoyed the journey together. And I thought that was nice. And I'd like to see more more TV shows <laughs> tackle. Develop those relationships. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So season two, episode four, room 223, if you want to check out an episode of the Mary Tyler Moore show that really pushed all my buttons. Yeah. And if there's an episode of the Golden Girls that this might relate to, I, I'd recommend you towards season one, episode 20. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Adult education, in case yes. you're not sure. So. Exactly. Justice for Professor Cooper. <laughs> So, anywho, so Act One starts with actually I need to let oh, yeah. my whistle real quick. Uh, yeah, we hadn't started the episode. <laughs> we got through the title and where the we origin did. of the title came from. Right. And forty-five <laughs> minutes in, now we'll start actually going through the the episode itself. You sink this cup with Soul Planet by fish. <laughs> it all comes together. <laughs> so, anyways, so Act One starts with uh, Blanche, Dorothy, and Sophia. 
playing a game that's better than Euchre uh, while Rose gets ready for, <laughs> ready for her date. Uh, Blanche is annoyed because Rose has a date. It's not really that she begrudges Rose for having a date. It's just that she's unhappy spending her night with two friends and not having sex. Mm. Now, that's her personal choice, though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I mean, I'm spending my night with two friends, but I'm not uh, committing to not having sex. <laughs> so... so um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, once Rose and Blanche agree to disagree over their situation, Rose remembers that a letter arrived for Sophia. Sophia's mysterious envelope contained a feather. Uh, Sophia claims it doesn't mean anything, but Dorothy's heard enough Sophia's stories to know that it's always something fishy. Right. When Rose's suitor shows up, Blanche initially thinks he's flawless. Uh, she changes her tune when Dorothy <laughs> points out that his flaw is that he's interested in Rose. Right. Blanche heads off to bed, happy, content, and unbothered by the shackles of celibacy with which she's been chained for the night. <laughs> uh, so the opening scene... <laughs> I'm just laughing at you checking off your, your talking points. <laughs> We're behind schedule. I gotta catch us up. Right. <laughs> So the opening scene ends and we transition to another of the Golden's famous breakfast scenes. Right. Apparently some time has passed and during this interim, Sophia has been looking over her shoulder and checking for threats in random places. Mm -hmm. At one point, she even checks the broom closet that she previously claimed to have shat in. <laughs> um, I thought she did not say the she she didn't. I thought she said she didn't check the broom closet. Yeah, that's right. They said, but did Blanche, you check that? And she's about to go off and see if, yeah. you know, amongst the turds. Exactly. So, yeah. And then Blanche says that that broom closet is for more than shitting. You can also share a medium cold cut platter in there. Yeah, two people and a medium cold cut platter, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, that would be, a, that is a spacious broom closet. Because two <laughs> bodies is. and a cold cut platter, mm -hmm. that takes up some space. Mm -hmm. It does. Now, I don't know, though. You could be holding it above your head. <laughs> you know, yeah. there are other ways you could have that platter in there. You but I got the impression it was in between you. You could exactly. uncomfortably hold it sideways where things were falling off. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I just see you and Nicole in a broom closet. She's kind of smushed she, against each other. She's got you bent over with a deli tray on your back. <laughs> well, he was cruising for a bruising after all. He was. He was. <laughs> um. So anyway, Sophia finally tells Dorothy that the feather means that Sonny Venuccio is nearby. Uh, back in the old country, Sonny Venuccio's ancestor desecrated Sophia's grandfather's corpse. Now it's up to Sophia to settle the score. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting little part because basically the, the idea was that they had a shortage of grave diggers um, <laughs> right. or a, a grave digger strike or some such thing. So they decided to use the grandfather's corpse as a scarecrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> the corpse falls off because of a, a you know heavy wind, mm -hmm. and then this uh, Venuccio or whatever hit his his ancestor mm -hmm. rode over him in his truck. Um, Quite by accident. Yeah, that's what it sounded like to me. It didn't seem vendetta worthy to me because it sounded mm -hmm. like you know number one, you Who put was... the old man up on a <laughs> up on a stick. Who was truly desecrated, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I think we've discussed this before. Would you would you have any issue with whatever uses your family might have for your corpse once you pass away? No, I don't think so. I so mean, so they put you out in the yard to scare off birds, you'd be down with that? I guess so, yeah. yeah fair enough. Eventually it would start attracting birds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. It would be a different kind, <laughs> but you'd have vultures instead or buzzards <laughs> or whatever. Um, but. Uh. So did I, did I just slow your roll? <laughs> 
did. Um, you borrow all those little notes. Shouldn't you know where the fuck you're at at this point? I do. It's just I don't remember on which night uh, Fish did vultures. Oh. Oh, it, was in, <laughs> it, was, it was in set one on September 3rd. Oh, okay. <laughs> they did 46 Days, Party Time, Steve, Timber, Jerry the Mule, Yarmouth Road, Foam, then Vultures, oh. and then Pebbles and Marbles, and then Carini. Oh, okay. Um, and it was actually the 46 Days that started set one and the Carini that ended set one um, that definitely kicked it over the top. Mm. Although the, um, the Timber and the Yarmouth Road were both solid. Fair enough. So you didn't lose your place. You were just going back to get additional information. To exactly. Put in. okay. You mentioned vultures, and I was like, oh, I should tie that into a previous point I made. Right. Oh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so. so anyways, uh, during the period in which Sophia was hiding from the mob, uh, Rose was spending social time with Ernie. Um, she doesn't seem happy about it. In fact, she says she's depressed. Uh, Dorothy tells her that she can talk about it if she wants, and apparently this idea has never occurred to grief counselor Rose. <laughs> Um, so Rose tells the others that she thinks she loves Ernie, um, but that she's not sure why he's not a little more handsy. Mm. Uh, Blanche is incredulous that Rose and Ernie have dated for a month and their uglies have yet to bump. <laughs> so Rose is also annoyed because, again, it's been 30 days and Ernie has yet to give her a reason to draw a smiley face on her calendar. Right. <laughs> uh, so she decides to tell Ernie that nobody rides for free. He either needs to put out or get out. <laughs> and before she can broach the subject with Ernie, you know, he shows up and invites her to go out of town that very weekend. Uh, Rose cannot believe her luck. Uh, she's gone from not having any sex with Ernie to potentially having sex for two consecutive nights. Yeah, there um, was a... He seals the deal with a rather chaste kiss, and Rose is excited that they've gotten to first base and home plate is less than a week away. Yeah, uh, that kiss, because she had mentioned that like he hadn't even touched her hand. Like There had been almost yeah. literally no physical contact between the two of them prior to that kiss. Um, but there was a great line when, when Blanche is encouraging her um, to you know, to try to initiate things a little more herself, and she says, "You know, honey, sometimes you have to stoke a man's fire a little bit." And then my favorite line of the episode was Sophia's reply to that, mm -hmm. saying, "Words of wisdom from the Human Torch." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought that was a an excellent Sophia follow up on that one. Exactly, and actually a pretty solid line from Blanche too. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. So we cut to Ernie and Rose's weekend getaway. Um, you know, Rose talks about her childhood in hopes of stoking his fire, um, but it doesn't. In fact, you know, Ernie's impotent. Um, <laughs> Rose isn't one to dwell on the negative. Uh, she puts aside this, you know, puts aside the fact that, like Blanche, you know, celibacy has been thrust upon her. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> if asked, uh, she'd probably just say that she's relieved she's not going to have to tell housekeeping there's another corpse in her bed. <laughs> right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, um, so, anyways. We end Act 1, and before we go to Act 2, we've got a new segment that okay. we're going to introduce this week. Oh, wow. So we have tidbits already, and now we have, or Kanishas and... Kibitz. Kibitz, yeah. yeah. So now what do we have? Um, the new segment uh, we're calling You Heard with Richard Heard. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> this week's question, have you heard of Richard Heard? <laughs> so, <laughs> so he has over 150 credits to his name. Uh, most recently, he um, his most recent big hit was Get Out. Um, but prior to appearing on The Golden Girls, uh, Richard appeared in 1978's Fist, which starred Estelle Getty's uh, Stop and My Mom Will Shoot co-star Sylvester Stallone. Okay. Uh, he was in the 1983 miniseries V and its 1984 sequel V, The Final Battle. One of my favorite uh, sci-fi movies, by Me the way. Me too. Um, and Alan has seen those as well, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 they're excellent. Yeah. Um, and then he was also in John Candy's 1985 classic Summer Rental. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. So I bring up summer rental instead of planes, trains, and automobiles, which he was also in, uh, simply because summer rental has something that planes, trains, and automobiles doesn't. And do you know what that is? No, what? Carrie Green. Oh, okay. So, you know, at the risk of telling stories out of class, nine-year-old Brent was smitten with Miss Green during okay. all of 1985 and 1986. Um, those were the years in which she made Summer Rental, The Goonies, and Lucas. And, you know, and sort of checking her out now to see what she's been up to or mm -hmm. whatever, I'm happy to report that she's healthy and still a tall drink of water. See, I would have figured well, from the... Okay. Oh, God. I would have figured from the Goonies that you definitely would have been more of a Martha Plimpton man. <laughs> I love Martha Plimpton. I truly do. Uh, I am being completely serious. I like Martha Plimpton, too. I'm, I, not, I'm not attracted to Martha Plimpton. Oh, I am. Oh, are you? Oh, definitely. Like, as far as, like, attractiveness within the movie Goonies, mm -hmm. you know, I, I got to go Carrie Green. As far as real life 2021, uh, Mar Carrie Green is still an attractive lady, mm -hmm. but Martha Plimpton... She stokes my fires. Really? Wow. Yes. I had no idea. So is that where you're such a big fan of uh, Raising Hope? Yes, it is. <laughs> and um, I watched the other show that she did. Um, the how do you, the new normal. I forget, that's not it. The O'Neills, real O'Neills. Okay. Um, just for her because she's a sexy lady. And I listened to uh, John Ross Bowie um, has a podcast where he talks to other character actors and he did an episode with her okay. and I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but I checked that one out just so I could hear her, whatever. And she just has a good head on her shoulder. And I just think she's just, like you said, raising hope hers, Virginia. I mean, that is a sexy, sexy lady. Mm. Um, I see. would take her over Sabrina. Oh really? Yeah. But not over Meemaw. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, Mama, uh, Cloris Leachman, um, the episodes of, uh, Mary Tyler Moore show that she's been on have been really, really good. That's not surprising. I mean, she's such a good actress. Yeah. Uh, she's amazing. Um, um, so if you don't know, Ski had to step away to take a phone call real quick. So Alan and I are, are filling. Um, so on Mary Tyler Moore, there's Mary and then Valerie Harper plays her best friend Rhoda. Mm. And then Mary's other best friend is Phyllis played by Cloris Leachman. And Rhoda's in probably every episode there may have been one that she missed for some reason um but cloris leachman's only in about maybe a third maybe even a fourth of the episodes um, but when she shows up it's gold mm. but it's it's odd because mary has these two female friends who are night and day and who hate each other hmm. like that's their whole relationship right. like cloris leachman and uh, phyllis and rhoda are constantly like you know belittling each other mm -hmm. and poor mary's stuck in the middle you know it's just a really interesting dynamic hmm. like mary's has two male friends that she's close with um you know murray slaughter played by you know gavin mcleod and then lou grant played by ed asner three of them died this year gavin mcleod cloris leachman and ed asner that's a sad year i mean granted they all lived really good long lives yeah, yeah, um, so you yeah. can't really feel bad about that yeah. aspect of it yeah um but yeah it is sad to lose three you know titans yeah exactly all from the same show mm -hmm. so um and then last year um uh get her name she passed but basically long story short betty white's the only one left but i guess she doesn't show up until season four. Oh, is it yeah is that how far in she is yeah so are you looking forward to getting to that point i no. am i am because you're fairly close to that then right yeah, you're yeah. In season three yeah started three today um i got yeah i just had a little bit of downtime before i had to come here and i was like i'm gonna go ahead and start three now, do you find when you listen to somebody on a podcast and they make like a good impression on you that mm -hmm. it increases your attractiveness to them? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, 
So did Martha increase her level or just, just maintain it since it was already at a she high increased level for it. you? She increased it. Um, she just has a good head on her shoulders, and she's very self-aware as far as her career mm-hmm. and the level of success that she's had. And she's accepting of the fact that whatever level she's currently at, you know, is not sustainable. Okay. She's like, you know, it's going to dip and I'm going to have a few years where I don't work at all, you know. And she says it, it's frustrating because she has family members or different things. They're like, hey, we should all get together at Christmas. And she's like, I have no idea if I'll have the opportunity to work or not. But if I do, then I have to work. Right. You know, if I'm not working, yes, I would love to see you, but I just can't commit to something six months away. Yeah. You know. Is that the way you feel about the podcast, that you don't know if you have to work, so <laughs> you don't want to make commitments? Exactly. <laughs> you get fired at any time, so you got to take exactly. advantage of the hours um, while they're there. Exactly. <laughs> I, I just need to make my you know salary demands known to you. That way you can set the Patreon accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to get some rich fucking listeners, because <laughs> it's already going to be an exclusive group. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I have a... You know, I think I, I joked with you before, kind of looking at the numbers for what they say as yeah. far as how much we could realistically. And it was like, oh, it's like something like 15%. Like if you set up a Patreon yeah, site, yeah. like 15% will uh-huh. visit it. And yeah. out of those, like 3 to 5% of them yeah. will sign up. And based on our current listenership, that's like one to two people. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and Stacy wants hers for free. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so we've got one paying person left. Right. And we did the math and it's like, okay, well, we can pull in $5 a month. And then that's why I was like, well, you know, we split it three ways. And then I said, well, I get 34% and the two of you get 33%. Mm. And that's when you followed up with, why do you get 34%? You do the least amount of work. <laughs> and oh, I, okay. So that's all full circle. Exactly. <laughs> and you best believe when I got home to my wife, I told her that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of you two just like just totally talking me down, just tearing me a new <laughs> asshole together because <laughs> like who the fuck does he think he is? Helena, you carry that fucking show. Helena thinks the world of you until you disrespected her man. <laughs> I think that in my experience with Helena, she almost always is on my side when I disrespect her man. <laughs> I've never disrespected her man in a substantive way. <laughs> so in a, ma- in a manner in which he did not deserve. Oh, right. <laughs> so. Are you guys still recording? Yes, yeah. we are. Yeah. yeah. I missed out. Sorry, guys. I was called away by my daughter. Everything was, okay? I think so. She just wanted to call and let me know it was up. Uh, one of her friends, they went to a little bar to hang out, and there's a friend of hers that you know was previously on meth, but now she's cool. Oh sure. Although sounds like she was cool then. Some of <laughs> <laughs> better meth. Now she's on better meth. <laughs> so I guess they went to this bar and she like freaked out on the bouncer and said some pretty inappropriate things. And the she is the out. friend or the she is your daughter? No, she is the friend. Okay. Okay, the friend freaked out. Okay. Yeah. On the bartender? Uh, no, uh, bouncer. Uh, bouncer. Mm. Yeah, someone. Mm. Which they like get the hell out. You're done. Yeah. Why would and you pick on the bouncer? He's the one guy who can throw you. Oh, right. she, yeah. she was drunk. On, on meth. No, well, <laughs> so my daughter claims that she's been clean for a year. I hope that's true because mm-hmm. I mean she's she's a cute young turd. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah. it's a shame when that happens to the cuties. I don't know. No, like, now, she was an ugly bitch, then I don't exactly. care. Let me rephrase. That sounded horrible. Can you... My daughter's friend is kind of attractive, and I hope she's off the meth. She's exactly. she's a good kid, is what I'm saying. Like, I that's... hate it when my daughter brings home Uggs. Yeah. <laughs> 
But at least if she does, I don't give a shit what happens to her. You know, if, exactly. If all this wasn't so funny, I'd ask you to edit it. But what I am really honestly Nothing trying to say. Bad things happen to good looking people. Right. <laughs> I'll just quit. Okay. <laughs> Continue. So, so long story short. You're going to go yeah. home and there's going to be a strung out bitch on your couch. No, no. <laughs> she just wanted to let me know everything was cool and she's safe. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm but glad. She was, she was worried that, you know, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I just, I phrased it in such an ugly manner because that's, that's the way it is in like Pulp Fiction. I think oh, okay. he said something like, don't bring some strung out bitch to my house. So you've been watching too much Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So if you all of a sudden start throwing the N-word around yeah. nonstop, be like, oh, it's not that he's racist, guys. It's just that he's watched a little yeah. too much Tarantino lately. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I try to oh, is stay, that where uh, I try to stay in my lanes and throwing out the N word as a skis lane? <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> he's a gr- your grandpa. <laughs> it's not okay, but it's understandable. Exactly. So. Is that where uh, John Travolta was bringing uh, yeah, Uma Thurman back to Eric Stoltz's place yeah, after yeah. she'd done some yeah. uh, intravenous yeah. excitement <laughs> there? Yeah. So, well, we got a no, little Martha Plumpton talk and yeah. podcast stuff. It was, it was, uh, you know. I don't think the listeners, you know, lost out too much with the 15 minutes of friend mm-hmm. night chatting. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we didn't go over any of the shows, so and I was going to go right back Correct. into it. So, <laughs> we were saving here. the Jermaine stuff for when you returned. Yeah. Well, get back whenever you're ready. So Act Two, um, it starts off with Sophia making a telephone call and asking if Sonny Venuccio lives there. Apparently he does, but like Ernie or earlier in the episode, Sophia cannot finish what she started. <laughs> so Sophia hangs up the phone. She bickers with Dorothy, and she tells Dorothy that although the vendettas may not mean anything to her, they do to Sophia. So Rose enters the kitchen and confides in the Goldens that Ernie wasn't all that she thought he was. Um, Dorothy and Blanche are disgusted by his inadequacies. <laughs> um, Dorothy tries to point out that Rose's situation is common, but Blanche refuses to play along. Uh, she states she's never had a man who couldn't make love to her. You know, she may be right, but she's definitely had a man who wouldn't make love to her. But I guess Ham Lushball isn't on her mind. <laughs> right. Uh, so Dorothy <laughs> tells the Goldens that Stan battled impotency. It's not clear if he truly did or if he just didn't find Dorothy attractive enough. If he cheated on Dorothy as often as she claims, I think it's probably the latter. Yeah, that would seem to be... Um I don't know. I would say that he was probably just spent whenever. Maybe Dorothy maybe came an around. easy out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, I just can't work. It's sorry. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, you know, the Goldens discuss it, and then you know, Rose decides, you know, uh, she'd rather stay with a man who isn't perfect than to go looking for a man who is. <laughs> 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 so she invites Ernie out to dinner, um, and because he wants to at least put a put at least one smile on her face, he lets her order dessert. Now, if we. Um, if we got an offer because one of the like one of the products that i hear advertised on mm-hmm. other podcasts at least one specific podcast i listen mm-hmm. to is blue chew which is you know like a another version of viagra okay and if we got an offer to advertise for that but part of it was that you had to claim that <laughs> you had the issue and the blue chew corrected that issue for you mm-hmm. would you be down with that like if you were making you know a little bit of money off of claiming that you had been was, impotent and accurate that, or whatever. Well, it's not accurate. They're they're just saying that. Hey, listen, we know you don't have any problems, or they don't know, or whatever. It doesn't uh-huh. matter if you have problems or not. But we want you yeah. to say you had problems uh-huh. in that department. Well, I lie, you know. But 
even though I'm you know, capable of getting erections or whatever mm-hmm. on my own, right. I'd still take one to give myself an impromptu erection oh, okay. <laughs> so I could <laughs> legitimately say, yeah, I've taken this thing and gotten a boner, <laughs> and then I'd cash that check. So, so any advertisers out there, they can't ask you to say anything that's not honest. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. He'll find the loophole, though, is what he's saying. He's yeah, <laughs> I don't know, though. They want him to to come on and, and plead his case about how <laughs> terrible his life was because of his lack of boners and that it was blue chew or whatever mm-hmm. product, but he won't do it. So, yeah. so it's up to you ski. <laughs> <laughs> so in I, fairness, we could give Brent, oh, that'd be the idea. We could give you a medicine that the side effect included that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then that way you could get, be honest about it. Then you could take the blue chew at the same time you quit the other medication so that you're not lying. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, there's the technicality. There we go. <laughs> so while Ernie and Rose are out to dinner, you know, they discuss Rose's patience. And, you know, when that conversation has run its course, you know, Rose tells Ernie that the two of them ain't nothing but clunky mammals. <laughs> and then they decide to do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. Yeah. Uh, Rose and Ernie <laughs> ask for the check and then get down to business. Uh, we transition to the next morning, and we discover that last night, Ernie wasn't the only stiff in Miami. They also found a body on the beach. <laughs> so Dorothy assumes that Sophia's deployment... It would have been great if it would have been Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Bro, was like, we made love on the beach, and then I walked home. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Dorothy assumes that Sophia's to blame, but upon interrogating her, discovers she's innocent. Uh, Sophia merely went there to deliver a fish. Uh, she also slept with Sonny, but that was because he was cute and not for the halibut. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought you would laugh at that more, Steve. <laughs> I'm really disappointed. <laughs> In you, not myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so once My apologies. <laughs> it's fine. Um, once it's established that Sophia is an incredible lover... Rose saunters in to let them know that she ain't so bad herself. Uh, Blanche is excited that Rose slept with a man and then surprised that the man was Ernie. Uh, Rose tells them how happy she is, and the implication is that uh, Ernie is the best lover this side of Charlie. Right. So So apparently Rose is a mind lion. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So now we're going to revisit one of our most popular features. Okay. Um, So we got the pop quiz. Oh, all right. Okay. Uh, so we're going to switch it up this week and do it as an oral exam. All right, okay. fair enough. And so the theme for this week's quiz is impotence. Uh, All right. <laughs> I was just going to go but like don't stress. It's not back. too hard. Will this impotence go back and forth between Ski and I, or and me? I mean, I'll, I'll oh. have a turn in the rotation. Oh, okay. Okay. Don't you know the fucking answers? <laughs> so, question one. <laughs> this one's for Ski. Okay. okay. Uh, so which of the following best describes your battle with impotence? <laughs> a, daily, B, weekly, C, monthly, or D, never-ending? I don't think any of those are good. I would say never-ending because it never began. So question two is for Alan. All right. Okay. Uh, which of the following do you think of when you need to conquer your impotence? All right. A, Brent, <laughs> B, Ski, C, Brent and Ski, or D, Paul Dooley? Well, it's a tough call. Um, no, e, it's not all tough. The above? It's, it's definitely Brent and Ski together. Okay. That always stokes the fires. <laughs> all right. uh, question three. Oh, this one's for me. Okay. Um, I want to see this. When did the first commercially available FDA-approved treatment for impotence become available? 
Was it A, October 25th, 1924, <laughs> B, March 10th, 1940, C, November 19th, 1976, or D, March 27th, 1998? Um, I'm going with D, March 27th, 1998. Okay. Okay. So I got that one right, too. So <laughs> three-way tie. Um, for, so, but I think I was probably the winner. No. Okay. <laughs> I thought that. I thought your 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 D was going to be how the fuck should I know? <laughs> I've never had to deal with that shit. And then you'd be like D. The answer is D. Uh, so y- you gave one of those dates, and there was your own birth date. Exactly. <laughs> so if I would have said just you, would that have been <laughs> your answer? <laughs> so uh, the other dates, uh, one of them was Billy Barty's birthday, oh, okay. and the other was Chuck Norris's birthday. Oh, very nice. <laughs> So Billy Barty, Chuck Norris, me, Viagra. Four important dates. In <laughs> and the conquering of it. The four, <laughs> the four horsemen. Exactly. Four things that have <laughs> conquered boners. <laughs> or the lack thereof. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a good feature. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, so in lieu of a third act, uh, like Terry Hughes would have delivered... We just get what's called a button scene. Okay. Uh, we see Rose and Ernie returning from another date. Uh, Ernie tells Rose that since she's found a way to secure his impotence, uh, he thinks he's going to go back home and toss his wife a bone. Uh, Rose <laughs> is surprised they're breaking up, but surprisingly, not too broken up over it. Um, I guess the Goldens know that there are other fish in the sea, and considering what a piss-poor lover it turns out Ernie actually was, better fish too. Mm. So, um, so my final thoughts, um, the episode's odd, you know, again, because we don't get that three act structure to tell the tale of right. the golden girls. It uses a two act structure to tell the tale of Ernie, you know, basically at the end of the first act, Ernie is impotent. And then at the end of the second act, he's cured while Rose has no real narrative arc in the episode. She <laughs> starts the episode celibate. She ends act one celibate. She's briefly sexually active for act two. Mm. Um, but then, you know, she's celibate again at the end of the episode. Well, I think that what the takeaway you can have from this is that if you're impotent, then sex with Rose won't kill you. It'll bring you back to life. It'll, it'll, <laughs> it'll get the blood flowing down there again. Yeah. Um, but if you already have a functional member, uh-huh. then it's like that blood flow just becomes too much to handle. Mm-hmm. And then that's where the heart problems come. Exactly. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, that's... yeah. I'm still giving it six and a half stars okay. because of how strong Betty's I don't know what this was. star type... Uh, you know, rating system that you're using are oh cheesecakes, yeah, <laughs> six and a half slices of cheesecake. Okay. Um, and then she just had a great performance or whatever, and her delivery of check please, you know, was really really good. Oh, okay, and I'm surprised that doesn't pop up in more clips. Yeah, well, you're really breaking all the formats today, aren't you? <laughs> well, because I was waiting to turn it over to Ski for his first time ever being the host of the episode oh, yeah. so that he could then ask us. Yeah. But you're like, fuck you. I'm just going to go ahead and give you my score, man. <laughs> We're moving right along. Uh, you know what, Alan? What, what was your... Uh did you have a favorite uh, character? Well, my, my MVP was also Rose. <laughs> you know, I thought she was the best of the, the episode. And there were a few lines because, you know, I don't know if Brent would have hit any of these um, in his recap, but he was trying to keep it a little brief since we had such an mm-hmm. extensive conversation beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to give you the benefit, but yeah. uh, <laughs> undeserved as it may be. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there was a few lines in there that I thought were pretty good. Um, there was one where... Uh, this was the scene where Rose and Ernie were sitting, you know, having the meal prior mm-hmm. to them yeah. getting past his impotence. Yeah. And she says, uh, 
they were talking about souffles, I believe it was. Oh, yeah. And she says, boy, there's nothing more frustrating than waiting for one of these suckers to rise, and it just won't. Um, yeah. And he gives her a look like he's yeah. got a cutter. Yeah. <laughs> he does give her a really mean look. Like, yeah. clearly, she wasn't trying to be double entendre style, but yeah. he acts like she was just uh, cutting him deep. Yeah. As far as, like, the Goldens being bystanders in their own episode, I think you'd have to go back to the Empty Nest episode with Paul Dooley to find one where they had the least growth <laughs> yeah i mean there wasn't really much going on for the golden girls and the b yeah. story was was really weak yeah um, yeah yeah so uh but yeah then there was a couple others in there they thought i you alluded to it but where she said uh was describing sex as being two clunky old bodies thrashing around against each other like animals mm -hmm. um you paraphrased it but yeah. i thought that was a solid line also <laughs> Did you have any other ski? That I quoted were... the Bloodhound Gang when I did. What's that? I quoted the Bloodhound Gang when I oh, did. Oh, is that what that was from? Yeah. Oh, yeah. very nice. Like, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, oh, okay. so let's do it like they do in the Discovery Channel. Yeah, I was just say I didn't realize. I would never have been able to name the band that, mm. uh, that had. Yeah. That's from the Hooray for Boobies album. <laughs> I think that's what it's called. <laughs> you are correct. I'm yeah. pretty positive on that one. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the uh, video, they're dressed up like monkeys or something? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The naughty kind, not the poo-throwing kind. That's, well, uh, maybe there was a different act of the uh, video that we didn't see. <laughs> it got cut, you know? Director's <laughs> cut, yeah. Now, Brent already went over a lot of Richard Hurd's uh, you mm -hmm. know, filmography. Yeah. Uh, but there are a couple other things I'll mention. Um, he was in six episodes of uh, Betty Wife's Off the Rockers. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Ed Asner was on a few of those, too. Oh, was he? I think so, yeah. And then he was in uh, Star Trek Renegades and Star Trek Voyager, yeah. four episodes of that as uh, Admiral Owen Paris. I, I did have that written down, that he had, had the obligatory Star Trek on his IMDb page. Right. Well, yeah, because he, he was in the, those two, plus Star Trek The Next Generation, two episodes of that as mm -hmm. LaCour. Mm -hmm. And then he was also tangentially in 36 episodes of tj hooker so oh, nice. he got a little bit of william shatter <laughs> even though he wasn't on the original series um as a captain dennis sheridan uh, but he was our only guest actor in this one that had a line that had yeah. any credit so that's one of my favorite kinds <laughs> yeah. so, so quick for me to go through that stuff yeah. um so ski did you have any other uh questions for me since brent is already uh, <laughs> How many uh, slices of cheesecake do you give it? I gave it five and a half. I thought it was, I liked the comedy in it, um, but like Brent said, it wasn't focused enough on the on the, the Goldens overall, and the B story was just, like last episode, the football B story was great. This B story was garbage. <laughs> um, I mean, it wasn't garbage, it just was nothing. It was, yeah. you know, almost not a B story at all. Yeah. Uh, so. so like Sophia, at part of it, she was like, you know, I'm going to go to church and confess. You know, they go easier on you if it's merely a thought. Right. You know, but, you know, Sophia's still a married woman, mm -hmm. you know, and yet she has sex with Sonny. Oh. I mean, she should be confessing that. Uh, well, but at the time when she went to confess, I was prior to the sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying that it's not like she's getting off scot-free on the confession. Mm -hmm. She still has a mortal sin to confess yeah. to. Well, and the confession wouldn't mean much of anything. Like, yes, they could forgive you for the thought, mm -hmm. but if you go by that line of thinking, you still are planning to commit the sin. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you know, yes, uh, I would say that you always are going to get off easier, whether it be uh, in the church or with the law, if yeah. you're just thinking of doing something bad. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't think the confession is going to absolve you from the, the act yeah, once yeah. it's yeah. completed. Actually doing it. So, so yeah, so yeah, I, I gave it a five and a half. Yeah. I don't know that I actually had a favorite line on this one that I can recall. Um, I would say my favorite character was probably Rose, just because 
despite her uh, lack of real arc in the episode, she was definitely the primary character, I think, for right. uh, the main cast. Some good acting. Yeah, I think so. Um, Especially like when she got her heart broken at the end, when you know Ernie was like, yeah, "I'm going back to my wife." <laughs> yeah, real heartbroken. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, like, it sounded like he didn't become impotent until after they'd gotten a divorce. Right. Like, if he's truly that bad of a lover, you know, no wonder his wife kicked him to the curb. Right, yeah. And now he's going to go back to her, and she has no idea he was impotent in the interim. Yeah. So, I mean, if anything, she probably would have been more likely to stay with him if he couldn't perform. (laughs) Right. Because then she wouldn't have to put up with it. Exactly. Why would she take him back now, right? Exactly. Well, and based on what we saw, like, old boy didn't make much of an effort uh, to to cure the problem. Because it was like... I've thought in pure thoughts, and yet still the boner won't come. Um, it doesn't seem like he made any other effort with Rose to, like, if the only thing they had done is a peck, and then they were at a, you know, like in that hotel room together or whatever it was, yeah. and didn't seem like they were, there's no, you know, petting before the getting or anything <laughs> like that. So it just seemed like there was no effort made to, like, yeah. you know, get past the mm-hmm. uh, mental block that seemed to be the yeah. cause of his Well, they had the whole weekend. They could have tried oh, a few things. but Sure, yeah. There's, didn't they go see a movie or something instead? Yeah, I think they so. Did. But they did. Anyways, so. One saw Airplane. No, um, Naked Gun 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what was coming up. It's there. not that naked. <laughs> you said you uh, you gave it six and a half? Yeah. <laughs> did you say you had a favorite? Uh, Rose's delivery Rose. of check, please. Mm. Gotcha, really gotcha. I like that. Oh, was that your favorite character, though, too? Rose? Yes. <laughs> so we got uh, three roses then, right? Mm-hmm. And how many slices did you say you gave it? I hadn't said yet. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, I gave it a five and a half. Hmm. I liked it, but it was it was. Uh, I gave it that amount because it seemed like it was just another episode where they found a dude, dated a dude, and then it is over. Hmm. Yeah. It seems to be a reoccurring trend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a that's pretty um, standard for the show. So. But um, uh, did anybody else have any comments or commentaries on the episode or anything related to it? I think I'm good to go at this point. I think so, too. It was a long episode, wasn't it? It was a long recap. Yeah. So, um... A long episode. Are you talking <laughs> about the like the episode itself? No, our episode. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the episode itself was a standard one, I believe. <laughs> it wasn't a special two-parter. <laughs> but uh, if we have nothing else, then I guess, am I supposed to say it? Mm-hmm. Stay golden, Coco. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at sophiaschoicepc. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden. Oh, yeah. So that's the uh, uh, James Bond that I'm seeing. Oh, no, okay. That's, yeah, I'm showing you which screening I'll be at so you can get the seats next to me. If, if you, you hurry in, if you're in there before him, then guess who's yeah. getting that seat? <laughs> How shitty would you be if they're like, someone has already showed up to claim that seat? I'm going to be like, you know, listen, Gimpy, you wheel yourself down there to the IMAX and you tap that bitch on the shoulder and tell him he is not me. <laughs> I am a Stubbs Rewards member. I will not have this indignity. Exactly.
<laughs> exactly. exactly. And he's like, I'm sorry, sir, but but the the gentleman who took your seat is a former A-lister. <laughs> I think he loves her. You know, I mean, like he went to like, like he goes on vacation, you know, to the one place that's like her vagina, <laughs> you know, because it's a dry heat. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love sometimes I, I see the setup. I'm like. Yeah, where's it going? What's <laughs> the next part? <laughs> See, you're, you're dropping gold, though, on a part that I can't keep. <laughs> no. I mean, I could just leave that one line, and exactly. then we could leave <laughs> without context. That was also it's, uh... from 7 to 10 tonight, and we lost all that gold. <laughs> Whatever, dude. It was like 15 minutes. There was only a couple chunks of gold. <laughs> More than enough to share with the townsfolk. <laughs> Apparently, that's why you're part of uh, the union and not part of management. <laughs> so you can make the tough choices. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I was thinking so I could keep all the gold. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know the golden rule, don't you? Uh, do unto others? or um... The one with all the gold makes the rules. Oh, mm. Very nice. Quote of Jafar, mm. Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> Seems so serious. <laughs> you keep that one in there, Alan. I will. All right, so you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Test. It was more or less. Test. You've hold, heard of the golden rule, haven't you, boy? <laughs> That's when he was in his disguise. See, I don't know. The way you did it there was less Jafar more, and more, more like piratey. A, yeah, yeah. That's Yar. <laughs> less so. Gilbert Godfrey more. <laughs> <Johnny Depp. laughs> Well, Gilbert Godfrey was uh, Iago. Yeah, that's right. I don't know who did the voice of Jafar. 